let's go to humility okay. for the first one, because I think that is, that is a starting point, I think, for recovery, mm-hmm. is humility. And coming in in that posture of humility, oftentimes guys, I, I, I think, are coming in, there's a, there's a lot of pride. Obviously, there's a lot of pain. They're in a really difficult place. But if I can see a guy come in and get into a, that, that posture of humility and become humble and become open and willing, then I think that, kind of, that starts to open the door to, this, to a successful recovery journey. Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. We're happy to be back with you today with a special guest taken right directly from from the team here at Faithful and True. Chris Hardesty is joining us today. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. We're Glad excited. to be back. Well, we're excited to have you back. And we're excited about today's... Uh, we've been doing a series on questions. And you came to us with an excellent question. And it has to do with what are the ingredients of a successful recovery? Mm-hmm. From sexual addiction. And uh, I think that our viewers and our listeners are really going to be drawn to this because it's, uh, it, it directly addresses what's on the minds of so many men that are struggling with mm-hmm. this issue. Yep, yep. This is a question I get all the time. And in fact, it, it, it's a question I get off the, right off the bat, but also a question that I revisit often in the, in the work that I do with men is, we'll go back through this list. How are we doing in these areas? What does that look like? Yeah. And one of the things, when someone is struggling maintaining sobriety, we don't ask the question, you know, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. That would be a shame question. Right. What we're going to ask is what may be missing from your team or what may be right. missing from your program or your recovery. And so the list that you've created really addresses that. If somebody is struggling in their maintaining sobriety or they're struggling in getting stuck in their recovery, these are some things that they can consider that would really move them forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. So on your list, let's just start at the top. What, what would you, and I would, can we say these are in no particular order? Not, no, I would say they're not really in a particular order. So they're but, not prioritized, but mm-hmm. they are different things to look at. To, correct. Okay. Right. So the right. first one we're going to be addressing is? Well, the first one, I, I, let's go to humility okay. for the first one, because I think that is, that is a starting point, I think, for recovery, mm-hmm. is humility. And coming in in that posture of humility, oftentimes guys, I, I, I think, are coming in, there's a, there's a lot of pride. Obviously, there's a lot of pain. They're in a really difficult place. But if I can see a guy come in and get into a, that, that posture of humility and become humble and become open and willing, then I think that, kind of, that starts to open the door to, this, to a successful recovery journey. Right. Well, and you mentioned the idea of pride. The way I talk about pride, pride mm-hmm. is the sin of self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And pride is the belief that I don't need anybody else. And so humility, in contrast, is that awareness of our own needfulness. And so we come right. open to whatever resources and support and direction um, somebody might be offering us. And there is a significant difference when you're encountering someone that's filled with that belief that they can do it on their own versus right. that person that is open to help and support and resources. And this this is huge because one of the things that we talk about is nobody recovers alone. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to need the support of your recovery team. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I really like the word openness. I think many guys come in just sort of closed off. Mm -hmm. Kind of what you're saying, Greg. And, and as we work with them, we start to see oftentimes the guys who are doing well, we start to see them open up and become open to become coachable, become open to community, all of these, some of the other pieces that we're going to mention actually as we go through the list. Yeah. So, so humility. Yeah. One, one thing too, um, f- my perception is fear helps us to live these small lives. You know, it, if I'm avoiding everything I'm fearing, the more fear I have, the fewer choices I have, and the smaller my life is going mm. to be. Openness takes courage, and ironically, humility begins with courage. You know, we, we often talk about strength or something else being courageous, but you have to have the courage to ask for help. You have to have courage to own your own needfulness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what keeps people from being open is whatever fears they have that they bring into those first conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's pretty true with most men that first come to you, Chris. Um, fearful is probably one of the most yeah, recognizable definitely. Uh, aspects of their of their current condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you breaking, breaking through that condition with them, uh, that allows humility to take over right exactly yeah yeah so that's the first one would be humility the next one i would mention would be owns the behavior the the whatever the the behavior is they're coming in with and their past story so there's an ownership aspect here of yep i'm willing to own that i have done these things i'm willing to own um the destruction the chaos the um the amount of damage that that's that's been done as a result of my behavior, but then as we as they begin to dig a little bit, we begin to work with them. Then there's a big component of this. The ownership extends beyond just the here and now, or what I've done in terms of my just just in my addiction to the the, the bigger narrative, mm-hmm. their past story. You know, what are they bringing in? Who who what what is this past story that they're bringing into faithful and true? And they begin to own that, become aware of it. And that, that begins to, again, that's another ingredient that opens the door for more work. Well, in, in this particular area, I often say one of the most difficult things to do is to right-size your experiences and your story and even the reality of your acting out. That we don't want to minimize it and make it seem like it was no big deal. And we don't want to go to the other end of the pendulum and catastrophize it. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we can identify that we're catastrophizing is if we're living with no hope. Mm-hmm. But if we're able to right-size it, and for a lot of men, the, that second part that you mentioned of really owning their story and the experiences that got them here is incredibly difficult because they've spent so much of their life dismissing it or right. minimizing it or even denying it. And so it does take some time to shift and start living into the reality of your truth. Yeah, and there's courage again, mm-hmm. right? A courage to go there. And Randy mentioned fear. Right. And a lot of when we start talking about going back and really looking at your story and the, the narrative of your of your story, uh, guys get antsy about that, yeah. right? That's really that that can create a lot of fear and angst. And so it, again, once again, we see courage as an that might even be another ingredient on the list actually but courage courage the courage to look there and maybe even curiosity at some level around well where 
where did I come from? What is what 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 am I bringing to the table? Those sorts of things. Well, in in the early days when men are coming, um, what we're wanting them to do is to really consider the possibility that there were contributing factors that resulted in the addiction. Um, for a lot of men, that one of the things that they say is, "I don't know why I'm here." Mm-hmm. And you mentioned curiosity. One of the things that we want men to do is to be curious about what were the contributing factors that brought them to this place. Uh Because either there's a shame response that goes, well, there's just something wrong with me, I'm bad, I'm disgusting, I'm a pervert. Or the alternative alternative is there were actually factors that contributed to me being here, Mm -hmm. and I began to use this as a coping strategy. And the more that I can deconstruct those factors, the more power I have in my recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think. Part of this ownership, and then we'll move on to the next one, just is kind of the, to wrap this one up for now, would be just around, in terms of the owning, uh, would be uh, not, not blame shifting. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not trying, there's all sorts of ways we, that we try and dodge the ownership. Mm-hmm. Blame shifting is one, uh, minimizing, I think you mentioned, mm-hmm. Greg. Um, lots of other ways, but ownership means I take full responsibility for my behavior and my story. And so that that idea of just taking responsibility for that, I think is really a a key piece of this. The next one I have on the list is intrinsic motivation or internal motivation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, you know, if we're being honest here, I think what gets most men in the door of faithful and true is some sort of external motivation or extrinsic motivation. Maybe my, my wife says, you, you have to go to this workshop. Maybe there's an ultimatum or maybe I'm, maybe it's my job. Uh, in order to keep the job, I've got to you know, do something, that sort of thing. But I think, again, remember this is ingredients for successful recovery. And the guys who really do well, at some point that extrinsic motivation, it begins to shift and it goes to intrinsic motivation. One of the questions we ask at the workshop, do you want to be well? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to be well? Do you, want to, do, you, do you believe you could be well, but do you want to be well? And that's, that's all about intrinsic motivation. Do you really believe you could be, and do you really want to be? Do you have a hunger for being, being well? Are you sick and tired of, sick and, of, being, of sick being sick and, sick and tired? tired. Yeah. Right, yeah. One, one of the things we also see is for those men who are primarily or exclusively motivated by some sort of external reality, at some point that begins to fade because that reality changes. Mm. Um, If I'm just motivated by the fact that my wife is angry at me or hurt, and then I see that my wife is less angry and maybe less hurt, then suddenly my motivation is gone. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm motivated because I've been told I need to address these issues or I might lose my job, once I feel more secure in my job, then my motivation is going to go. Um, and so even for those men that would say, well, I'm, I'm motivated because of the chaos that's in my life, they're able to see the chaos, they're able to name the chaos. What we know is that in itself is not going to be enough because if desperation is what's driving you, at some point that desperation will fade and then if there's no other motivation, you're not going to go very far. Mm-hmm. At some point that, that desperation is a good initial motivator but at some point, it has to become about desire. The man has to want something more for his life than what it is that he currently has. Yeah, it's good. I think that this kind of flips to vision. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me personally, the vision was the word that came to me in recovery often was integrity. 
Okay, not not perfection, but am I gonna? What am I seeking after? Integrity to be a man of integrity, and that really was, oftentimes the source of my motivation was it was the, the pursuit of that of that that uh, that characteristic that of integrity. Mm-hmm. And, it was yeah, a challenge. It was, yeah. yeah. Well, it is also an invitation. You know, one of the things that right. we talk a lot about at the workshop and here at Faithful and True is that instead of hearing it as a demand, to hear all of this as an invitation, that we are being invited to engage and explore and to experience this abundant life that God has offered. Mm -hmm. And if I feel like I have to do it, then it becomes about obligation, and obligation is one of the worst motivators. We need to find that invitation that leads to desire. Yeah. Do you want to be well yeah. not, do you have to be well mm-hmm. do you like, do you want to does someone you, expect you to be well do you want this yes absolutely yeah next one on the list i have here is expert help and that it's just i think just finding an organization or finding someone finding resources that provide the direction the insights the things that are going to be helpful in your to really help you under kind of understand the issue and to move forward in your to move forward in recovery to give you the pieces that you're going to really want to take a look at in order to experience that transformation. Yeah. A couple of the pieces here that weren't that weren't in place for me ten years before I arrived at Faithful and True, uh, because Elizabeth and I, some some folks know that before we came to Faithful and True, about a decade before, just a few years into our marriage, we we had. Uh, a situation where this was at least partially exposed, this issue. And I can tell you, kind of going back through the list, two pieces that weren't there for sure were intrinsic motivation, we just talked about, but expert help also. So there was some help that was offered, but it wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't, we didn't, we didn't find or really, really, it wasn't offered the right help, mm-hmm. I would say. So yeah, I think just finding that expert help. And we find that on an ongoing basis. Even uh, men who come to us uh, after having uh, been meeting with a pastor mm-hmm. or another therapist, and the therapist in their wisdom reaches a point that goes, we've now reached the point mm-hmm. where this is like right. out of my wheelhouse of, mm-hmm. of experience. And yet our founder, Mark Laser, um had such an international reputation, and after having written 15 books on the subject, Mark had this credibility as the leading Christian authority on this subject that uh, other therapists or pastors uh, could turn around and send their clients to us. And that's that expert component, you know, that we're grateful Mm -hmm. to be able to offer. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting ready uh, in just a couple of weeks to go to the AACC, the American Association of Christian Counselors National Conference Mm -hmm. down in Dallas. And there we're going to be meeting counselors, pastors, and therapists. And that's where we foster those relationships and those friendships with them uh, and make expose them to the resources that we have available and one of the most powerful is having them come to see you guys Mm -hmm. at the men's journey Mm -hmm. workshop uh and the powerful uh resource that that is for men uh and what they experience uh what after completing that is exactly what you're talking about Mm -hmm. here it's the expert help in this field that's very hard to find right Mm -hmm. well when one of the things is true is other fields recognize the importance of an expert You know, if I go to medical school, I'm going to cover the heart. I'm going to learn about the heart. 
I'm going to be knowledgeable about the heart. But if I'm going to have open heart surgery, I want a surgeon that is focused just on yeah. cardiology and maybe has done this surgery regularly for his entire or her entire career. So it's, it's important to understand, you know, one of the things that we talk about helping is to know what you know, know what you don't know, and uh-huh. know when to refer. Uh-huh. And even within us, there are specialties that we refer to because we know that it is outside of our focus. Yeah. And so understanding one of the ways that you can find good help is that your good help is regularly referring you to others that do have an expertise in a particular field. Mm-hmm. And if someone's dealing with trauma, we have the resources that we send them to. If someone is struggling with um, specific aspects of their sexual relationship, we're going to send them to a Christian um, sex therapist. So we want to take advantage of the expert voice too, recognizing that we all benefit from that. You bet. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The next one on the list, guys, is believes transformation and change are possible. So I kind of mentioned this earlier with do you want to be well. But it's interesting, too. I often will ask a guy, do you... Generally, a guy will say, yes, of course. Like, of course, Chris, mm-hmm. I want to be well. And then I'll follow up with, do you believe you could be well? Right. The idea of being well, that's something we'll maybe address on another, like what is being well? But, the, but, but do you believe you can be well? Let's just say, do you believe you could be sober, sexually sober? Mm-hmm. And I think really that's a challenge for many men. It's like at, my, at the core, I really, I don't necessarily believe I could get there. Right. And I think, guy, again, one of the ingredients here is really believing that, yes, I can do that. I remember coming through the doors here and hearing about sexual sobriety and hearing about the components of that. And I was thinking I, I, in the first session here, I, I thought I actually said out loud, I, I can't do that. That's not going to be possible for me, mm-hmm. you know. And, and yet I, I started to I still started to get involved here and started to see other men leadership here at Faithful and True uh, and also got involved in a group and started to see other other clients, other men who had uh, extended periods of time of sobriety. And that's what helped me kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. You well, know? And I think that's huge because when somebody says, oh, I don't think that's possible, typically what they're doing is using their own story as a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. And what's true is and if all they're doing is looking at their own story and that's the only evidence that they have, then it makes perfect sense they don't have hope. And very much like what you said, the key is the community because if I see that other men are able to live these sober lives, then there, there's an invitation for me to consider, hey, maybe that's possible for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really that others are holding that hope for us or they are living the example. They are extending the invitation that, is it miraculous? No. Is it going to happen simply through some sort of passive experience? No. But if I emulate what I see others who are, who are sober, if I begin to do what they're doing, then sobriety becomes a possibility mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. But I do think um, hope is essential. I remember when I said that you don't want to minimize it or you don't want to catastrophize mm-hmm. it. And one of the indicators of someone catastrophizing their story is when there are no hope, when there's no hope, when you don't believe it's possible. Um, and so therefore, it's really difficult to be committed to something that ultimately you don't think is going to, to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the core beliefs that a lot of the men that I work with gets exposed in time is um, they believe that their failure is inevitable. 
And if I believe my failure is inevitable, then more than likely I'm going to live into that belief. If I begin to heal that core belief so I can begin to believe, no, actually it is going to be possible for me to be successful. I can live in freedom. That's when we begin to experience this hope that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a perfect segue into the next point, which is willing to engage in community to experience grace through truth. And we just talked about even just beyond grace through truth. I mean, we talked about how community is just so supportive, about how community can be so, uh, can inspire us. Yeah, inspirational. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in this point, we're talking a little bit about the idea of experiencing grace through truth. And the truth is, that's, that's what's communicated in community. I, I get into community, I become a truth teller, and then in that experience, I start to see, speaking of core beliefs, you know, I start to see that the idea that if I were known, I'd be rejected. Well, that's not what I'm experiencing in community. I'm experiencing something different. I'm known. I'm extremely vulnerable here, and yet I'm safe. I'm accepted. Those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say it that way, Chris, because at, at lunch today we were talking, and Greg was mentioning how men experience, maybe for the first time, that confidence that comes with being accepted. Uh, and they come to the men's journey workshop, uh, and sometimes apprehensively, you know, I, I don't know how I would react in a group. And they come and they find this acceptance and they find this comfort. Uh, and for the first time, I think they see themselves participating in a group situation where they're being supported and they're supporting. And in kind, you'll find yourself reaching out to support other mm-hmm. men. So uh, th- that was a really great point. I'm so glad it was part of your list. Mm-hmm. One part, one of the things that we believe is that recovery cannot occur outside of community. Mm-hmm. That community's not like, a, oh, that's a nice thing, or you know, maybe I'll do that, or you know, that's plan A, but maybe I can do plan B. You cannot recover without community because there's some components that you can only experience in community yeah. And one of them is that experience of grace. Mm -hmm. And community is a significant theological and clinical component. Mm -hmm. And so to understand I can't experience grace if I'm not known. I can't be loved if I'm not known. Um, And I can't shed shame if I'm not in a community where I can be seen. And so, you know, when men say, well, you know, should I go to community? The bottom line is if you want to be free, if you want to be well, community will be a part of that mm-hmm. and not just thinking um it's a it's a thing that i can i can participate in it becomes a central part of the recovery experience yeah i talked about my first kind of go around 10 years before faithful and true and actually probably all of these were were components that were true for me but i remember community specifically mm-hmm. i remember community being pitched Hey, we have a group here, Chris. Would you like to be involved in it? Oh, I think I, <laughs> no, I think I'll go with a plan B. Yeah, I like solid. Yeah, yes, right I, I can. You know, I can do this on my own. That oh, kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, it's just not having now been through um, yes, the intensive pieces of this, and especially the community, which is true to this day. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know. think that's you know, you talk about people with long term recovery. Yeah, one of the things that you see is they. Years later, whatever, decades later, they continue to be in deep, authentic community that they continue to be known. And when men experience, you know, they're they're sober for a while and maybe years later they experience a relapse. 
one of the predominant factors that we see is they are no longer engaging in their community. That it just kind of fades over time. Mm -hmm. They don't prioritize it. Literally, they kind of drift apart. And then it's not surprising they find themselves in isolation. And then now they're back to some old behaviors. So it's not just at the beginning we are engaged in community. Years later, we're active in community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, a couple more and we'll wrap it up here. But the, the next one I would mention would be uh, explores mental health, or at least being open. We talked about openness mm-hmm. and the courage to explore mental health issues. I mean, this is a big issue in and of itself. But I think I think for today what we can highlight is is that you know, we certainly around around here at Faithful and True, we recognize that mental health is a is a thing, and we want guys to to be at least be willing to explore mental health issues. Oftentimes, it can get in the way of a good successful recovery. So, so many of the men around here work work with or suffer with ADHD or ADD. And so it's hard to get. Mark used to talk a lot about you know, how are you. It's hard to get traction in recovery in light of an ADD situation, mm-hmm. for example. So getting help around that, looking at brain health, we have lots of podcasts and resources on that. But sometimes guys come in with a, an aversion to looking at that or thinking through that, and uh, we just want to encourage guys to really that. That really can be can be or oftentimes is a key component of of your recovery. Well, and the the idea Mark often said is if you're going to recover, you've got to get your brain to cooperate. And yeah. for a lot of men, especially those who grew up in a Christian community, there almost seems to be an oppositional to brain opposition right. to brain health, as if to get support for your brain is actually in some way rejecting your faith. And we want to understand the the brain is just part of who God has created us to be. And if there's something that is overactive or under-functioning in our brain, we need to pay attention to that. And we have a wide range of things that we can respond to. It doesn't necessarily have to be medication, though that can be a huge part of support. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's other things that we can do, but simply ignore that is not going to support me in my recovery. Yeah, definitely want to pay attention to mental health. And then the last one, but absolutely not the, not least. Yeah, I was going to say, this one could have been first. It's, and it probably should have been, yeah. right? Yeah. But embraces, the, the point here is embraces Christ as the ultimate source of healing and self-worth. And, you know, so much of this is just, is really just kind of academic and, and really not, not, not where it needs to be, not as significant as it, as it needs to be or could be without Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that he's the anchor of our recovery. And that's one of the components that makes Faithful and True different from some of the other programs that are out there is the fact that we are a Christian Bible-based, uh, you know, foundation mm-hmm. that uh, truly believes that uh, all healing is, is through uh, our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. One, one point, though, that I want to make is as we lead here at Faithful and True, it is never our goal, our desire to impose yep. our faith That's on right. someone else. Yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of the men and women who come through our workshops have been significantly hurt by early church experiences. Yeah. On their own. Yeah. Yes. And so what we want is to be able to create a safe space where we lead out of our, and I often say this the first day of the workshop, we lead out of our faith. Um, you and I teach at the workshop, faith is important to us. I mean, it helps shape and form us, and it's our faith. And so what we want to do is encourage and invite people to explore their own faith journey. And for many of them, there is some healing that needs to occur Mm -hmm. before they could even consider that as a possibility again. 
Um, but we want them to know that, it's, that it is foundational for us. So we want to encourage them to be curious about it, to explore right. it, and to heal any old injuries that might have come from a previous faith experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, great point. And uh, we meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. We, we invite them and meet them where they are, and that's okay. That's fine with us. Yeah. It's no problem at all. And I so. would say a significant number of the people who come to our workshops, one of the things that we have to identify and give them a safe space to express is their anger at God, their disappointment yes. at God, their frustration at God, because the reality is for all of us, there were times that God didn't work in the way that we expected, and in that we have been hurt, or the way that others represented God to us mm-hmm. was hurtful. So we want to be attentive to that. Yeah. Well, Chris, we want to thank you for coming to us with this great list sure. of ingredients uh, for a successful recovery. And if you're a man that's out there struggling with pornography or other sexual addiction uh, behaviors, we invite you to visit faithfulandtrue.com. Click on the on the workshops and, and read up about uh, the Men's Journey Workshop. Uh, we do it every month. It's a powerful experience. And uh, if what you're hearing today is uh, striking true with you, we invite you to look into that and you can register right online or you can call our office to discuss more about the details. Uh, until we meet with you again on the next podca- podcast, we thank you for joining us today. We hope that this coming week is a week for you that's filled with many blessings and with great issues.